When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatt rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Welcome back to BTR Boxing Podcast Network. I am your host, Sean, and this episode is the big fight reaction to Lee Wood's sensational stoppage victory over Josh Warrington. This episode is myself only. Johnston is not available to cover the big fight reaction, but should hopefully be back for the big fight preview coming up a little bit later this week. So it's just me really giving my opinions on this show about what I thought about that sensational ending to what was at times a relatively one-sided fight. So I'm going to go straight into this, guys, and talk about the Leewood Josh Warrington fight. And the first you, the word that I'm going to use for it is probably surprised by Josh. And people might say, well, you're not giving him credit. I am giving him credit. I thought he put on a really good performance. I was surprised in the sense that he was able to get inside and get to Wood so easily. Now, Wood has been susceptible to taking a few before landing a few, and I've seen that, and we have seen that in the past, but Josh was able to to outbox him with relative ease throughout the course of the fight. Now, when Lee Wood came out in the southpaw stance, he had a little bit of relative success early on, And then from then on, it just didn't seem to pay dividends. So then he switches to orthodox. I felt like he was starting to have a bit more success as the rounds went on in orthodox. And then he switched back up again as we go into round six and then into the final round, round seven. And it was really that change again that I think made a difference in this fight between the two of them. But I'm going to give a lot of credit to Josh here because I think it was one of them moments where he looked like he was on course to getting a points decision 
over Leewood. I felt at that moment, like many others probably felt, Josh was en route to go in the distance and probably taking a convincing decision over Leewood. But Leewood is an absolute warrior. He is like the UK's version of Arturo Gatti at times. And I know that's a bit of a comparison indeed, but it feels like that because when you think about the fights with Kanzu and Conlon in particular, you think about the way he was just able to pull something out of nowhere. And this is exactly what he's done here against Warrington. He's pulled something out of absolutely nowhere. And the combination then stunned Warrington. Lee Wood, great finisher, was able to finish the fight. Now, this is where the controversial moments come in the fight because a lot of people are debating about whether Josh Warrington should have been stopped or whether he should have been allowed to continue. And, you know, I've even had this debate with a good friend of the show and former guest, Chris Wardrope. You know, we was having this debate quite recently about how he felt and how I felt about it. And, you know, we were on opposing sides when it came down to how we felt about this moment. So when Josh gets put down and he's getting back up, he looks very weary, very stumbling around. He's, he's, for me, he was all over the show. And eventually he goes back to his corner with his back to the referee and he hadn't turned around. So whatever was going on at the corner, I know his dad, Sean O'Hagan, was up on, on the ring apron because at this point the bell had gone, by the way. So the bell for the end of the fight, uh, end of the round, sorry, had gone. So that was why Sean O'Hagan was on there because they was thinking maybe, you know, he was going to be able to recover and they'll get his minutes rest and and, and that'll be fine. They'll, they'll get into the eighth round and hopefully get through it and weather the storm. However, what Michael Alexander obviously saw was something that he felt was a reason to stop this fight. Josh had his back to the referee and he didn't immediately turn round. And Chris's argument, which is what we was having, is Michael Alexander didn't give Josh the opportunity by turning him around and checking him out and assessing him himself. He made an assessment because of the fact that his back was to him and, and probably how wobbly and how glazed he saw him at the moment of impact and when he first got up. So some people's argument is of that, that really he should have been given a chance to be assessed and then given that minute rest and then going into the eighth round and given the chance. But then my argument, as is many other people's argument, is that because of how bad he looked and, and how un unsteady legs he looked getting up and going back into that corner and the fact that he didn't present himself to the referee, that was why the referees made that decision. I mean, we, we won't ultimately know unless Michael Alexander comes out and states why he made that decision. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's one of those moments that it's got me in uproar because I think about when Lee Wood was stopped against Mauricio Lara and Ben Davison made the decision to throw the towel in to save him for another day. It was only like saying Lee Wood should have been given a bit longer to recover. But ultimately, at that moment, Ben Davison saw something in Lee, who he works with on a daily basis, that he decided, no, I'm going to save this guy for another day. And that's exactly what he did. And look what happened. He got the rematch and he got the win. Does this mean now, because of the way it ended, that Josh should get a rematch? I can understand the arguments for a yes. I can understand why people think it should happen and it should be a rematch uh, at Nottingham Forest's football ground, the city ground. And it'd be really good and it probably would make good money. But it was quite evident from the post-fight interviews with Eddie Hearn when he was saying he's done at this division, he's done at featherweight, that I'm not sure whether they'll they'll fight again unless both of them move up and have a rematch up at the super featherweight division. 
But my interpretation from the Eddie Hearn interview was that they're going to move up to super featherweight with Lee Wood and they're going to seek bigger fights up at super featherweight because Lee Wood has probably got another two years left in the sport, maybe. Maybe that that's it, but he's going to want big fights. This was a big fight. He pulled something out of nowhere. He got a really big win by, by ending it the way it did, defends his title successfully, and now wants to move on to, a, to an even bigger, more lucrative fight. But then you've got to think about Josh Warrington's perspective here. Does he deserve a, a rematch as a result of it? Well, based on the performance he put in, yeah, I would say it would be a good argument because of the fact that he was beating him. He was outpointing Wood up until the point that that the shot and that combination landed. And again, I'll make the comparison to the Wood-Lara fight when Lara landed on Wood, put Wood down, Davison stops the fight. For me, Wood was 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 in control of that fight. He was he was winning that fight, so he got the rematch. Was there a rematch clause in this contract? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. If there was, then it makes it feasible that this can happen. But I do think Josh deserves another shot based on the performance. If it was a poor performance and he was outboxed and then stopped, then you'd be saying absolutely no way. I think he does. I just don't know whether it will be at featherweight because if Lee's moving up, will he have to vacate that title? Probably. So that will mean there'll be no title on the line for it. Does it still have the same razzmatazz? When it comes down to selling the fight, uh, I'd probably not because there's no title on the line this time round. So if you're thinking about it from a business perspective and you're Lee Wood and you're his team, you're thinking, well, how long have I got left? What fights do I want? Do I want the big money? Do I want it at Nottingham Forest football ground? Yes. I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to take the Warrington fight, but I could be wrong and it, it could call for a demand so much so that it does happen. I don't think... Josh Warrington should go out like that, personally speaking. We were talking about this in the preview that maybe if Josh loses this fight, maybe it's the the end for him because it's, you know, at the end at world title level anyway. I don't think it's the end. I think it was evident in this fight that, you know, he's definitely got still enough left in the locker to challenge again, um, even if it is for another title. Maybe, just maybe, if, if Lee Wood does move up and they don't have a rematch, that the WBA featherweight title could become vacant and Josh could fight for that. That could be an outcome for Josh. So I don't think it's quite over for Josh, although he seemed bitterly disappointed in the aftermath of the fight, and quite understandably so, after after boxing so well and then just coming up short and, and getting caught cold in the fight. He's going to feel a little bit aggrieved, understandably so. So from a personal perspective, I think it'd be nice to see him get another opportunity. It really just depends on, on on what Lee Wood does next and whether he vacates the title and moves up or whether they both move up and fight again up at super featherweight. I'll be interested to see how it pans out, but it was a great fight, guys, wasn't it? it you know, it was hyped up to be one of the fights of the year and it certainly, it delivered. It did deliver because at times you just, you just didn't know what was going to happen. At times you're thinking, this is just all Warrington. Then Wood would throw something or he'd get through with something and you think this is where he's starting to get tasted. Then ultimately when we get to that seventh round and he lands that combination, puts him down and you're thinking, oh my God, I cannot believe Lee Wood has pulled this out of absolutely nowhere when seemingly he didn't look like he was going to get to that point with the fight with Warrington. So it was it was great from a drama perspective. It, it was really great to sort of see how that ended and, and it's definitely going to go down there as, as one of the knockouts of the year it's definitely going to be another Lee Wood special for 2023's end of the year show definitely 
because it, it's the circumstances surrounding it which is what's going to put it right there. The fact that he was really getting beaten down, most people had him down on the cards and for him to pull something out like that when it didn't look like it was going to go his way, you know, it's always a great story and, and, and I love the stories like that. I feel for Josh, I, I do, I really do and I think he does deserve another opportunity but when you're speaking of underdog stories and you're speaking of, you know, guys that are going to create legacies in their own right, I think Lee Wood has really, really done that. He's going to go down as, as one of those fighters who, in a few years down the line after he's retired, will will really then truly appreciate him. I mean, I know people do now. Don't get me wrong. I see it on social media. I see people talking about him and, and making them comparisons to the UK's Gatti and, and, and all these other comparisons. But I don't think people will truly appreciate him until he's gone. And I felt the same about Carl Froch, to be honest with you. Another Nottingham fighter, like... I know obviously there's a different comparison because of the levels and, and where Frotch got to in his career and, and the massive run that he had with the fights he was involved in. But in the sense that I don't think a lot of people truly appreciated him until his career was said and done. Then you start making comparisons to the, to the fighters that are around now and you think, bloody hell, look at what Frotch did. Look at the fighters he took on. He didn't avoid anybody. He took on everybody. He, you know, and, and, and that's kind of where I think Lee Wood's going to end up being remembered by. He's like, he's took on everybody. He's avenged his loss, he's come back, he's won a title, he's defended it when it looked like he was on the verge of losing it. So he's definitely creating some some brilliant moments in the sport and I think he will be appreciated in a few years down the line once it is all said and done for his boxing career. But it was a great fight, guys. It really was. I really thoroughly enjoyed the fight and I think I'm looking forward now to sort of seeing what happens next. And as I've said, I think it'd be great for Josh to to get his opportunity again, whether that's against Lee or whether that is against another opponent, it remains to be seen. But I think for Lee now, if you're in his position, you're going to want to be moving forward in your career. And and he's at 35 years of age. He's not going to want to stick around for a rematch when he's managed to pull something out of the bag where it's, it's, it's definitive and, if it, if it would have been like a controversial points decision fully, then maybe you could have understood that that rematch was really needed. But I think because of the way it ended, and, and, and it was quite emphatic, and regardless of the issues over whether it should have been stopped or whether it should have been carried on, I think Lee deserves to move on and get another big money fight for his career. And I suppose that's just me personally speaking, you know, looking at fighters and thinking, what is the shelf life? What have they got left in their careers? what did they deserve because it is a short career as a career so if he can get another major major fight under his belt with major major money being involved then I definitely wouldn't begrudge him going into a fight like that rather than fighting Warrington again personally that that that's for me but other people might be a little bit aggrieved by what happened at the end and might feel that Warrington has to get a shot and do you know guys if, if you're one of those people I can totally understand why you feel that way but I want to see Lee move on. I want to see him go up to super featherweight, challenge, fight big fighters, and and hopefully have a really good end to his career and make some good money for his family. Because once it's all said and done in boxing, you know what else do you go on to do if you don't become a trainer and you you don't become a coach or you don't own a gym? If you haven't got qualifications behind you, what else do you go and do? Do you go do manual labour jobs? Do you try and build your way up in in a successful organisation? So. It's important that if he can make as much money as he can now, that he does because 
he might not have to go into a really difficult job. He might be able to set something up for himself. So this is why I always feel quite passionate about like seeing fighters get their just desserts. And I think Lee Wood's one of them. He absolutely deserves what he gets when it comes down to these big mega fights and, and big mega money that comes with it. And and to be honest, the same with Josh. I'm not discrediting Josh as well. He's been a fantastic servant. And I think even if he ends up fighting for the vacant WBA title, if, if that is the course he goes down and he goes on to win it, that'd be an amazing story for him. Uh, and I wouldn't begrudge that happening as well. But overall, guys, it was, it was great. It did live up to the hype and I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. But it wasn't the only fight on the card that I did enjoy. There was a few other fights on this card that I, I tuned into, which I thought were really uh, decent watches. I think Kieran Conway, Linus Eudophia was one of them. And again, it was another one where it had to be stopped due to the state of Linus's eye, which was, was quite horrendous. I think he was boxing quite well against Kieran up until the point that they had to stop it. But his eye was in a mess. It was in an absolute mess. And I can understand why that had to be stopped and why Kieran got the decision. I'd love to see him run it back again. I would love to see that again because I think that would be a, a really good fight to happen again. And I think Linus doing that step up that he that he needed again after losing to Denzel Bentley, he needed another step up and he had that against Kieran and I think for, for parts of that fight he was doing really, really well. So to see him get that opportunity again would be, would be really good. Uh, but Kieran might have the opportunity to move on now in his career as a result but it, again it just depends on, on whether the promotion and, and whether the management teams feel they can push for a rematch of this fight but fair play I think Linus heart desire grit of a warrior uh, it's just unfortunate that the the injury was sustained and that it led to the fight being stopped and of course if you can come back and get that fight again fair play to him I hope he can because he deserves it just as much as Kieran deserves his opportunities as well. But overall, it was a it was a pretty good fight while it lasted as well. Now, one of the other fights on the card that has caused controversy in some people's eyes, um, maybe not everybody's eyes, but controversy, Terry Harper and Cecilia Brackhouse ended up being a majority draw. 
Now, this is the controversy of the fight. Of course, two of the judges scored this fight a draw, while one of them, Bob Williams, had a 97-93 to Terry Harper. Now, it wasn't an attractive affair in terms of, of, of skill and ability. At times, it was very gritty, very rough and tumble. wasn't, at times, the type of fight that I was expecting. But I felt Terry did enough. I felt she she did enough. I felt she'd won this fight by maybe two rounds, three rounds at best. I didn't think she'd won it by four, uh, like Bob Williams' card. I thought she won it by two to three rounds. I think the earlier rounds is where she 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 picked up the points for me. And the earlier rounds is where she sort of not so much dominated, but she was landing cleaner. Uh, the skill and ability she was making Brackhouse miss at times. But then I say from sort of six onwards up until the tenth round, Brackhouse was starting to get on the inside, starting to to cause some problems for Terry Harper, starting to you know put that skill and and experience that she has as being a long-standing undefeated champion. Uh, into play and I think it was starting to pay off as the rounds were going on and I think that's where she would have picked her points up personally if I was scoring it in that way I think that's where she would have picked them up but I still think Terry won the fight so for two judges to see this dead even like five rounds apiece was I, I was I was quite surprised by it I'm, I wouldn't say I'm ultimately shocked but I'm surprised that they that they had it a draw I think some of the rounds were really, really scruffy. Um, you know, there was a lot of clinching, a lot of holding, a lot of work on the inside that weren't really happening. And I think, again, I'm not defending judges' scorecards because they are the terrible scorecards at times. There's some really terrible ones. But I think I can kind of see the point of view as to why some of the rounds couldn't be split. But Again, I still stand by my decision. I think Terry won this fight, and I think she won it by a couple of rounds, uh, two, maybe three at best. And she should have had that WBO title to add to a WBA title. So ultimately, now are we going to see this run back? It has to, doesn't it? It has to be has to be done again because I'd, I'd want to see Terry Harper try to step up and, and do something more emphatic to be able to get the win. Whether she completely just outboxes Brackhouse and gets the victory and, and wins that title, or whether she was able to stop her. I'm not sure if she could, to be honest, but if she was able to do that, that'd be even more emphatic. But it also depends on what the WBO want to do, whether they'll sanction this fight for the vacant title or whether they'll let two other women fight for the title instead of these two. I mean, personally speaking, again, I'd like to see it again. I'd like to see the vacant title and Terry's title on the line, WBO, WBA, but it all really depends on on whether they can do this again. I can't say it's a complete controversy, but I, I don't think it was a draw. I think it was Terry Harper who got this win, and I think there's definitely cause for them to to push this fight to happen again and on another card, maybe early next year. That would be ultimately my ideal scenario if I'm looking at this happening again. Well, also on the other card, Hopi Price got a TKO in round number twelve against Connor Coghill. A uh, fellow undefeated fighter at the time, it was a very interesting fight and one which I actually thought was just going to go all the way and would get a decision win for Hobby Price. But ultimately, he managed to finish the fight emphatically in the final round and he gets that victory and he now moves on. O'Connor needs to come back and rebuild again. Also on the card, Nico Leviaz, Janaid Boston, Cameron Vuong and Kobe McNamara all picked up victories in their fights 
if you did watch the earlier fights on this particular card. Now, moving over to the USA, Gilberto Ramirez and Joe Smith Jr. was another fight that we were speaking about in the build-up to Wood versus Warrington. And myself and Johnston, we did talk about Ramirez and, and Joe Smith and how that fight might play out and how Joe Smith will have to come out of the blocks early and, and try to impose that power onto Ramirez. But it, it just weren't enough. Ramirez was too big. Too big and too strong, as Carl Froch would like to say. And it makes me wonder how much longer left at the light heavyweight division Gilberto Ramirez has. And we said this in the preview to it, like, with Paterbi have wrapped up with Smith, Bivol potentially moving down to 168 to fight for the undisputed against Canelo. Where does it leave Ramirez? Does it leave him potentially with an opportunity if Bivol's stripped of his title to fight for that title? Or does he move up to cruiserweight? Because I'll be quite honest with you, I think cruiserweight at the moment is a much more competitive division on the world scene than what the light heavyweight division is. So someone as big as Ramirez, who's got the frame to move up and who has fought at cruiserweight when trying to bring his weight back down, I think it would be I think it'd be an ideal scenario for him. I think he could go up to cruiserweight and, and obviously we've seen some of the big names at cruiserweight. We've spoken about them, you know, in the last couple of weeks. We've obviously Jay Apatia and Jordan Thompson's fight uh, just over a week or so ago. And then you've got the likes of Lawrence Acoli, Chris Billum, Smith, Richard Reactpour, Jack Massey knocking around on the UK scene who are at world level who will be looking for a big world fight. You've obviously got Marius Bradis who's looking for the Apatia rematch. So... I'd be more inclined for him to, to, to go up if there's no competition for him here in the light heavyweight division. Um, I suppose it really depends on what Bivol does. If Bivol does end up going fighting Canelo and they don't allow him to move down and keep his title, if they did that, then there'd be an opening for Ramirez to pick up that vacant title potentially. But I'd rather see him move up to Cruiserweight. He's got the frame, he's got the size, he can do it. Uh, can he carry a bit of power up with him? Absolutely. I, I think he could He could have some good fights up at the cruiserweight division. I just don't see what else he can do at this moment in the light heavyweight division unless things change, which allows him to get into a fight for a world title at this stage. But ultimately, it was a, it was a good performance, a pretty much a shutout win for him on this card. And it was good to see him back in action again after he's obviously lost to Dimitri Bivol. He's back there and he's showing that he is ready for another opportunity, another big name in the division. And I think having the fight with Joe was a good test again for him to get back into contention again. It just really depends on, on how everything else plays out over the next six to eight months as we head into summer next year and where the land may lay in the light heavyweight division. As things stand, we've not really got any movement with Bivol, but we know Baturbiev is fighting Callum Smith in January so really all depends on on those two and, and and how that plays out for them but yeah it was good to see him back in action good good victory for him on there on the undercard Bektimir Malukaziv got the victory TKO victory over Atlantis Fox he's looking pretty good at the moment in the super middleweight division he had a loss of course earlier on in his career and I think that loss has probably spurred him on to be a better fighter since he lost to Rosado he's obviously since come back and avenged that loss and he's been on a winning streak ever since so he's another fighter in this division who maybe maybe you could be looking at someone like a Caleb Plant now or you know Billy Joe Saunders he's talking about coming back um, and he's talking about super middleweight 
names, but at the moment he's looking more like a cruiserweight. I don't think he's brought his weight down just yet. So whether he can bring his weight down to super middleweight again, it remains to be seen. I think he's more than likely, and what I've heard is that he's going to come back at light heavyweight, which probably makes sense with his with his age. You know, he's like 32, 33 now, and he has ballooned up in weight outside of the ring after his injury to Canelo, and he's been out for some time. I think he might struggle to make 168 again. I think he's more likely, if you're going to see Billy Joe back, it's going to be at 175. And that's a difficult division to be going into, as we've just been discussing, really, with Ramirez and, and where he goes. Where does Billy Joe go in the light heavyweight division? And if he can get down to 168, it's fair play to him. Fair play, but what will it take out of him? That's the thing for me. What will it take out of him if he was able to get down to 168? Will he ever be the same again? Unlikely. I don't think he will. He's definitely not going to be the same Billy Joe we saw against David Lemieux all those years ago. I think we've we've kind of ex- accepted that that's not going to be the case for him again. And he's even openly admitted it in an interview. I've seen, I think he was with Boxing Social recently when he's been spoken about coming back and he's talking about certain names in the super middleweight division. And he's talking about Chris Eubank as well in particular and how he can't fight. He can fight, but he can't box was the words he was using there. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see what he does next. So, yeah, that is pretty much about a sum of what was going on over the weekend, in particular with the fights that I I really wanted to address, that I enjoyed watching over the weekend. And I will be back with a big fight preview later this week because we have got Tim Zhu in action defending his recently full version of the WBO title after he was upgraded, after Jamal Charlo got in the ring against Canelo. The WBO made Tim Zhu the full champion rather than just the interim champion so he defends that title and we will be looking at a preview for that and although I don't normally cover these fights and me and Johnson don't essentially buy into the the the, the YouTube mantra of boxing and the whole misfits thing the fact that Tommy Fury is involved in a fight against KSI next weekend is something that I am interested in having a conversation about uh, we did cover his fight with Jake Paul and funnily enough guys I think this is what I'm about to tell you next is is probably a reflection of the culture and society of, of boxing fans at the moment and, and the generation of the crossover of boxing fans because of this YouTube uh, generation. And I remember doing the big fight preview for that episode for Tommy Fury and Jake Paul. And that episode in particular actually did more downloads than, say, an episode with two other fighters in that are legit boxers that have been doing it all their lives that are champions or, or a championship fight. Put it this way, it did more downloads than what Errol Spence and Terence Crawford did. And that, to me, is quite sad, to be honest, that that people were picking up that particular episode in February of this year more so than they would pick up our big fight preview on, on Spence versus Crawford. And there could be many reasons for that. It could be what I've said. It could be the YouTube generation wanting to tune into preview on that particular show and a lot of crossover fans coming over to it um but it also could be the fact that you know when when a big fight does come up like a spence and a crawford that many different boxing media outlets are and and people with youtube channels come out of the woodwork and start throwing big fight previews out there that it's so saturated that maybe there's so much choice for people to listen to that people don't necessarily always pick up on what we're putting out there because there's that many other outlets out there and there is a few exceptional major outlets out there but then there's so many other people 
that have started YouTube channels up in the past few years and, and podcasts up in the past few years about boxing, that it is, it is a very difficult market. So when me and Johnston always say at the end of each episode how much we appreciate the support, uh, we truly do. I've been doing this podcast now six years. Uh, it was recently our six-year anniversary uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And although we didn't do anything to essentially celebrate it, I am aware of it and I'm aware that we've been doing this podcast for six years. And from where we started it out to to where it is now it has been an amazing transition and, and it is continuing to get better and we obviously have found our niche of course with our career profiles and legendary nights and dark side of boxing series and, and that is always that's what we do that's what we're known for and what people appreciate us for more than anything and on that note the most recent episode of career profiles is now up on the feed you can find it on the career profiles podcast feed or the btr boxing podcast network fade as well and it is the career part one of Angelo Dundee so please go and listen to it if you haven't already tuned into that episode part one's already done it's out there it's great it's a great start talking about Angelo's life leading up to how we got into boxing the world champion he had in place before he meets a certain Cassius Clay a la Muhammad Ali and we get up to the point where we just get to the first list and fight before we'll then go into part two where we will then talk about his other champions his great time of course with Muhammad Ali and, and that legendary partnership and everything that preceded that we're certainly going to be talking about that in part two and telling you the story of Angelo Dundee's career and life so please make sure you do tune into that episode so as I said we will be back a little bit later in the week with another episode previewing the weekend's upcoming action but like I always ask you to do, guys, please make sure you do like and share on social media, whether that be on Facebook or that's a quick retweet on Twitter. Please retweet the episodes, please. It's really appreciated when guys do that for us because it does bring that exposure to what we do out there. And I know there's a lot of guys that really love our show and, and enjoy it and message me personally sometimes to tell me how much they enjoy it. And I do genuinely appreciate that. What I would appreciate even more so is if you throw us a few retweets out there and share the episodes because the word of mouth across social media is so important these days and that tool that can be uh, a help and a hindrance at times is 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 what will help us continue to progress with what we're doing and allow us to get more listeners in to what we're doing so please make sure you do share it across your socials and you can follow us on all social media platforms at BTR Boxing Podcast please make sure you've subscribed to us on the podcast feeds, either Google or Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Please do make sure you have subscribed to us and tell your friends about what we do. Our last episode of Career Profiles will be coming up in the next couple of weeks and we're straight in to season four of Legendary Nights, which will be coming out at the end of November. A final shout out goes out to the patrons of the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for being patrons. We hope you enjoy your ad-free early access to the episodes that we put out there. And of course, I'm sure you've all listened to the patron-only content. And if you're somebody who listens to us or has listened to us for a long time, and you might be in a position to support us additionally, go and check us out at patreon.com forward slash BTR Boxing Podcast Network because we do have additional benefits for those that can support us additionally and in return those benefits provide you with unrestricted ad-free and early access to great content that we're putting out there and that is it guys for this episode thank you so much for listening to the big fight reaction on btr boxing podcast network the dream is made real. Run!
Network.